Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Na, schönen guten Morgen Erlangen. Auf der A3 zwischen Schlüsselfeld und Geiselwind gibt's 5 Kilometer stockender Verkehr mit einer mittleren Geschwindigkeit von 30 Kilometer die Stunde. Erwarten können Sie mindestens 7 Minuten Zeitverlust. Sport zunächst. Die dritte Etappe der Deutschlandtour kommt heute nach Erlangen. Und der junge britische Radsportler Matt Walls setzt sich durch und gewinnt in Norwegen die letzte Etappe der Tour of Norway. Es ist 6.27 Uhr. Hier ist aber und the winner takes it all. Good morning, Ned. Oh, look at you. Happy days, well David. Done. Happy days. Happy days. So that's what, one out of five. So we're looking at a 20% hit rate so far. <laughs> I was so pleased because I'd kind of forgotten by the time I checked in here last night, I'd forgotten the whole issue with the, the kettle. And once again, I'd just forgotten to do anything about it. And I came in and um, it's a Novotel. So I'd just like to, um, I'd just like to praise Novotel. For having the foresight well, to equip my room, Linda Apples as a sponsor. Well, they, if Novotel wants to get on board, actually, I've suddenly remembered I've got history with kettles and Novotel. Um, if you, if you, if you, if you wanted to hear a very brief anecdote, David, I love a brief anecdote. Ned. Um, must have been seven or eight years ago. I think it was a long time ago. I was when I was working on the football. Uh, uh, traveling away from home for a Champions League match in Amsterdam. Um, uh, there was a bit of a Twitter meme thing going on uh, uh, from the account of the comedian, the, the, who I know quite well, Al Murray, the the, um, the pub landlord. And he had this thing that he occasionally still tweets as well about this um, this observation that he'd made, that hotel kettles um, are often too big for hotel sinks. In other words, you can't fill them. You can't because the angle doesn't work. So all you do because you've got to kind of tip them up to actually get them under the tap. But if you tip them up, you can't actually fill them. The water just runs straight back out again because they haven't been hasn't been thought through. So he used to he used to encourage people to um, to send him pictures of poorly matched sinks and kettles, <laughs> and he had a he had a kind of hashtag called hashtag sink versus kettle. That was what it was. And it was Brilliant. quite popular for a while on the internet, back in the days when the internet was fun rather than filled with bile. <laughs> um, and uh, I checked into this hotel, a Novotel in Amsterdam, on the outskirts of Amsterdam, tried to make myself a cup of tea and noticed that the kettle literally could not possibly be filled by the, uh, by the, by the taps in the, in the, in the sink. Um, so I took a picture of it and it genuinely made me laugh. It was such a poor mismatch. Um, took a picture of it, tweeted the picture to Al with the hashtag sink versus kettle. It gained a bit of traction. Uh, Al retweeted it to his billions of uh, followers and uh, there was a lot of uh, amusement. But uh, ultimately, I, I I didn't have a cup of tea. And then I was sitting doing some work 
at my desk in a very similar room to the one I'm in right now when, you know, those massive great big hotel television screens um, that I never turn on the television in hotel rooms. I just haven't mm. done it for years. Um, but uh, that, that, that say, welcome, Mr. Bolton or welcome, Mr. Mm. Miller. Yeah. All of a sudden it flashed up with a different message saying, um, a smaller kettle is on its way to your room, Mr. Bolton. That's brilliant. And I realized that in the tweet, I, Al had asked me where, which hotel had been responsible for this crime. So I'd said, oh, I'm in the Novotel in Amsterdam. But I hadn't used their official handles or anything. But they'd obviously been searching for mentions of their name. That's or whatever. service. And the reception brought up a smaller kettle. And there it was. It's the power wow. of the internet, David. Power of the internet yeah. serves a purpose. Yeah. Anyway, I guess they haven't been listening to you in Germany. Yeah, I've got what. Like, perhaps it's all centralised, and maybe they're fans. You're right. Maybe they're fans of the podcast, and they've well, before it used to be the um, the hotel of choice back in the day at bike races, mainly because it was one of the only ones that was around Spain or France or Spain. Novotel. It's a bit of a uh, nowadays on bike races. It's a bit of a kind of sad mini fist pump, isn't it? Because you know exactly mm. what you're going to get. I mean, it's. But it's, there's something quite comforting about that. Yeah. Because as a, at a bike race, you never know what you're going to get. But when you see Novotel, you know what you're going to get. You know exactly what you're going to get. And it's, it's kind like, of half a grade up on a Campanile, isn't it, at least? Oh, it's a few more a few half more a grade. That. Yeah, maybe you're right. Especially these days when they've actually brought some colours into Novotel. They have those brightly coloured chairs and different things, I think, in the foyer. And they've designed it a little bit. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. Kind of orange moulded objects yeah. that you're supposed to sort of lounge on or perhaps un- unfold your laptop and do some writing casually in the foyer which they've kind of <laughs> in, Novotel. In, in of Novotel which they've encouraged you to think of as a kind of yeah home from home in a way <laughs> <laughs> we've just done the advert <laughs> I need you're to welcome home. Novotel I am feeling uh, this, this is long already I've, only, I've reached the halfway point of the Deutschland tour though David well that's good two days in yeah I've reached the halfway point Pascal, what happened yesterday? Pascal Ackerman is uh, still leading, oh, he's leading the race, but he finished who, third yesterday. Uh, who won? The race was won. It was the first win of his year for Alexander Christoph. Oh, what's an Alexander? Who's been very, like, he's had a poor year by his own admission, actually, and um, he's not the youngest any longer, is he? But his last win yeah. before this was... Um, uh, in Nice at the beginning of the, 20, the delayed 2020 Tour de France on that day when oh, everybody God, crashed. That is a, a long break. It's a long winless streak for a rider like Christophe. Um, mm. And the weather, the weather yesterday was not dissimilar to that day in Nice. I mean, it was filthy weather yesterday. It was pouring oh, really? with cold oh, rain. Everybody must be hating it. Yeah, but Christophe, it's quite interesting in the interview afterwards, he said, I like, I quite like winning in Germany. I've won a lot of bike races in Germany. And, um, I, I, and it's well known that I I go well in the rain, um, and I mm. think he was asked a follow up question about yes, why do you like um, like the rain? He said, no, no, I didn't say I like it. <laughs> right, okay. I just that's maybe good. don't hate it as much as everybody else hates it, uh, mm. and there's some truth yeah, in that yeah. because I think that's there's a bit of a misconception, isn't there, about oh he loves it when it's wet, mm. and I don't think well, comes from, I don't think any rider loves it when it's wet. It comes from Stavanger, doesn't he? I don't know, does he? Stavanger. I think so. Where's that? That's why it's so hard, because that's just like brutal there. Oh, one yeah. Is that things. crazy up north? Is that, is that one of the northern No, it's on the west coast. West coast okay. It's um, it's a kind of big tourist destination, but it can be. I've done a race. That's, I've told you about that race before, where we did the stupid Garmin team um, echelon, uh, blew the race pieces, 
got the whole team off the front, then got caught and all got dropped. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. And then we all stopped the race. <laughs> uh, there was a... Um, there was one of the German uh, Conti teams, actually, who did something quite similar to that around about 50 kilometers from the finish line yesterday. Um, Champions. Called uh, P und S Metalltechnik. That's what they're called. <laughs> and um, I don't know quite what technique they do with their metal, but um, they've got this light blue kit. They had the King of the Mountains jersey to try and look after yesterday, uh, being worn by a rider called Robert Jägle. And... Um, they did this thing where the the breakaway was being held um, by three World Tour teams, the Koenig Quickstep being one of them, but mainly it was Border Hansgrohe and Bahrain Victorious again for Ackerman and Bauhaus. Um, the break was being held on a very tight leash, 1 minute 30. Um, and uh, But there was a climb coming up, the second climb of the day. And I think they wanted to bring it all back together to give Jägerle a chance of getting some more points and holding onto the jersey. And this little team, and they are... I mean, they were an amateur team up until about two years ago. And now, since 2019, they turned turned into a Conti team. Um, they surged to the front on this exposed bit of land. It was windy again yesterday, cross tailwind again. And they tried to, and, and they just buried themselves for about 20 kilometers. And it's pretty special, actually. It's pretty spectacular for a while. And brought it right back down to about 45 seconds before they eased off again because they just burnt all their matches. Um, so they didn't really ease off, they just exploded. But it got me thinking too, I've, I've often heard it said from riders on uh, Conti teams in races like the Deutschland Tour and the upcoming Tour of Britain as well. Um, and this is probably something you're poorly qualified to talk about, David, but I'm sure you're aware of, um, is that it, when you get these races where you get some really big name riders, big, big teams, but it's all mixed up with, um, uh, you know, smattering of local continental teams for whom this is the Tour de France. This is the biggest mm. race in their, in their calendar and of absolute importance to their sponsors. It's actually quite an intimidating environment for the Conti, for the Conti teams because you know, they, get bullied. they get bullied. And that's one of the sort of hidden mm. things that you don't appreciate if you've never raced, like I haven't, that all this stuff goes on in the peloton. And it's a little bit unseen by the television cameras, isn't it? But it's definitely yeah, it a thing, is. isn't it? It is. I mean, yeah, it's true. Because I mean, I guess there's a little bit of that in the world tour as well. When you get to races of Tour de France, where Jumbo Visma, Ineos, uh, kind of do bully the peloton a bit, always at the front. So there's always the the, the status exists uh, in every race. But when it gets to, as you say, these races where it's mixed up, all the world tour teams become Ineos and Jumbo Visma uh, compared to the Pro Conti teams, and and it kind of yeah it. it it's just the way it is. But often those pro Conti teams can be, it's some riders take it a bit too, too much and really do belittle them. Um, but it depends. I mean, it depends on the, the, the riders, but yeah, I think especially if everyone's tired at the end of the year like this and it's bad weather, you'll have world tour teams that will really rally together to kind of, uh, um, how to put it just, a show of force and put them in their place because the pro Conti teams, because exactly like you said, it's their Tour de France, they'll be making the race as hard as possible when the World Tour teams are there just not wanting to race hard and they'll just be shutting things down and yeah, it's it's what it is. It's like Lord of the Flies. Yeah. Curiously, actually, it, I, the, on the evidence of what I saw yesterday, um, it, it was it, it, what, what, that, what that Conti team, what the um, PNS Metal Technique did was actually encourage Bora Hanskara and... Um, uh, I think Israel startup nation for Greipel as well and um, Bahrain Victorious to actually start riding a bit 
Um, mm. So it kind of sparked the whole race into life and it did everybody a service. And maybe, maybe it was one of those days when um, it was actually so cold that you're better off doing a few efforts uh, and actually just getting to the finish line faster and getting, you know, all those things, getting yeah. racing a little bit. Oh, it's definitely better to be on the front on days like that, yeah. just riding. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just miserable. It's just miserable. Mm-hmm. So Greipel's not having a good race so far then. No, he's not. He crashed. Um, well, he's the wrong side of everything on, on the crash on, on the day into Schwerin. Don't know what happened to him yesterday. He got 30. Yeah. It was, quite hard, yeah. it was quite a hard finishing circuit yesterday. It came into Ilmenau. 25th. And uh, there were two laps of this seven-kilometer circuit. Once again, with the bonus spot. So the bonus seconds were once again five kilometers from the from the finish line, where um, Georg Zimmermann actually, who's we noticed at Paris Nice, I think, and then at the Tour de France, riding for Anton Marché, Monty Gobert, he's he's looking incredibly strong. He out sprinted Niels Pollitt um, for some bonus seconds, picked up the three bonus seconds, rockets up GC into contention. He's not a sprinter, but he's one of those riders who could nonetheless, by earning bonus seconds. And if the if the wins are sort of shared out amongst the sprinters and no one sprinter dominates, he could end up finishing on the podium or even winning this bike race potentially. Sort of, that's that's mm. the way it might work out. Um, and then and then it was quite a tough sprint to the line as as well. And those three riders, uh, Christoph Bauhaus and Christoph, only just beat Bauhaus, who was beaten into second place again, and Ackerman just holding on for third place. Uh, they were clear of of everybody else, but. Um, What's quite funny is today's uh, parkour is if you were to look at yesterday's and today's, they're like they're like a carbon copy of each other. It's quite extraordinary. I've never seen anything so similar like in, in almost every single sense. There's a they run from north to south in a straight, sort of vaguely straight line, both of them, uh, and they end in a uh, in a in a town with a short circuit in it with a couple of cli- with a climb within it. And um, and a little bonus spots thing, and two sort of loops of the same circuit. So it's that they are identikits uh, yesterday's and today's yeah. stage, but in different parts of Germany. As we continue That's to weird. head south, hoping that the sun might shine, but it's not. It's not shining at all. So it's really. Is it going to? No, I don't think so. It's really gloomy, which is uh, oh, the sucks. only disappointment in my Deutschland Reise. But I had a I had a fantastic morning after we recorded yesterday's podcast, David. I went for a, a shamble. I wouldn't like to call it a run. But I went for shamble. I went for a shamble down, and you know, you know, you're running in strange towns because you do it a little bit as well. I didn't really bother looking at the map; had no great idea of where I was going to go. I just ran out of the hotel foyer and kind of went left, and very quickly. And this is always like for anyone who runs, uh, this is just the holy grail. Very quickly, I found myself on a, a, a gravel path on the side of a river. Oh, and so I didn't really have to think about where I was going to go. I was away from the traffic and I just ran along the river for as, as long as I wanted to before I came back and headed off and, you know, turned around and came back. Then I had a shower and then I went, I won't give you the breakdown of my whole morning, but... Um, I was just about to say, okay, I'm just going to pour yeah. a cup of coffee. <laughs> I had, I had um, breakfast. It was a massive, the hotel was a massive working, in part, um, brewery. The Stadtbrauerei in uh, in uh, Arnstadt, um, but it also had been turned into accommodation as well. Absolutely incredible building. And then I thought I've got a bit of time, so I wandered in to have a look at um, Arnstadt, which is only small but very very beautiful. And of course, as we discussed yesterday, has at least two famous former inhabitants, one of whom is Marcel Kittel, and the other uh, is Johann Sebastian Bach. 
Um, oh, I saw your Twitter. Yeah. And then, so I, I, I kind of pointed that out because I think it's the sort of stuff that people are interested in. And then an, a Twitter account uh, supplied a bit of excellent additional information for which I'm very grateful. The Twitter account is, uh, goes by the name of at Ace Airstream. And their avatar is a picture of a mobile home, which is presumably an, an Airstream. So I don't want to, well, well, appealing to them for maybe a potential sponsorship. Um, but anyway, Ace Airstream, who obviously knows a thing or two about Bach and, and Arnstadt, or unless, unless they don't, have made up just an excellent story, said, Bach got into a fight with a bassoonist in that very square, because I posted a picture of the statue in the, in the lovely central square in Arnstadt, Bach got into a fight with a bassoonist in that very square for insulting him as a zippelfagottist, which I think is a derogatory way of describing a bassoonist, and set out from here on his own tour of Deutschland, albeit on foot, to walk to Lübeck, which is right up on the Baltic coast, to hear the famous organist Dietrich Buxtehude. There was the possibility of succeeding the elderly Buxtehude in his high-profile post in Lübeck, but a condition of the job was that the successful candidate had to marry Buxtehude's daughter. When Bach saw her, he decided to return to Arnstadt. <laughs> he was away from Arnstadt for four months, and upon his return, his employer was not exactly happy. He left to work in Mühlhausen, but soon ended up as a court musician in Weimar. There you go. Well, there you go. A bit of additional Johann Sebastian Bach. Uh, that's a story for the daughter. That's, that's not... Very nice. He could have just played badly. Yeah, that's true. He could, he, Another he way could have of... thrown the competition. Yeah. yeah. Rather than insulting her to that degree. Yeah. It's ungentlemanly. Yeah. So I hope the bassoonist beat him in the fight. Yeah. Again, you've, that's a... What, we just don't know. We don't know. You're right. And that, we don't know. The whole story may be made up. Um, it could have been. But I can't um, like it. What else is going on? I saw the Walter Seneschal. Well, well uh, just before we leave Germany... I just wanted to say that I was, I bumped into Jensi. Oh, the Vocht. The Vocht. Who? How is he? He's all right. Exactly the same. Exactly the same. So it was pouring with Sucheti. rain. In, it, it, where was the finish? Ilmenau yesterday. It was pouring with rain. And, um, but the Deutschland tour has thrown the kitchen sink at, uh, sort of putting stuff on for the punters, you know, for the spectators. So, all the big, all these, all loads of brands have got marquees and bits and pieces out, and there's all sorts of fun and games. Alpacin are handing out free little bottles of Alpacin shampoo, and uh, and 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 all these things are happening, and they really are putting on a putting on a show for the punters. But uh, to be honest, because it was kind of like persistent freezing drizzle yesterday, um, there weren't a huge number of families out to enjoy the the fun and games. Mm-hmm. But the biggest brand of all, and you'll like this, who've put on. Um, kind of every finish line they've got this big demarcated area with one of those sort of um, tiny velodromes made out of plastic that they can construct just by joining you know like they're they're really quite cool Um, and other bits and pieces cones and sort of fun and games and ramps and things uh, for little kids to do is the um, the the, uh, chocolate company Kinder you know like who make the Kinder eggs and all that sort of thing and um, they're ambassador at the Deutschland tour is Jens. And uh, so I, I was sort of passing to and fro occasionally this kinder area just before you we went on air yesterday. And I saw Jens um, occasionally, no, every time there was sort of one bedraggled and drenched child on this tiny little bike 
looking absolutely miserable trying to go around this really frankly perilous velodrome in, in the rain being um hugely and loudly encouraged by Jens who was kind of towering over them and uh, basically bellowing encouragement into their ear and uh, unrelentingly positive and really quite loud with it as well and uh, his enthusiasm unbowed by the fact that there was one man and his dog there and it was pouring with rain and he'd been dressed head to toe in kind of white chocolate themed uh, clothing that was getting increasingly wet. That's amazing. (laughs) It's it's the post-racing life that all of you, is. all of you guys, have to negotiate, isn't it? And that's how Jens has found satisfaction at the Deutschland Tour. The thing is, as well, it will be satisfaction for Jens because everything it will is have zero effect to him. Yeah, the fact he's dressed up in Kinder merch yep. and standing in the rain, cheering on one child in a mini velodrome, he'll actually be happy. Uh, you're completely right because shortly after that, um, uh, during a little break in his enthusiasm. Uh, I, I uh, went and had a quick word with him. Hello, Jens. So what what are you doing then, Jens? As if I couldn't guess because he was dressed from head to toe in kinder merch. And he pointed at the nearby kinder merch thing and went, I'm working there. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and I said, do you, get a, do you get a break at all? Do you think you might have 20 minutes off? Because I'm commentating all on my own and maybe like it's dry in the commentary booth yeah. for a start. And, um, you know, maybe you'd like to, you'd like to. And he goes, yeah, maybe. And I said, well, uh, listen, I'm on air at three o'clock and, you know, the race tends to finish at five. So I've got a couple of hours to fill. So if you ever wanted to come in shortly after three (laughs) o'clock, knock knock on the door. (laughs) And I I turned around, it's Jens. I say, well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I have to say I'm joined for a short while at least by Jens Vogt. He sat with me to the very end. He was still there after the, the 12th replay of Alexander Christoph. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Out sprinting. And was contributing. Down. He was really good as well. He's really good fun to speak to on the, yeah. on the commentary. So I'm hoping oh, he'll join me great. again today. Oh, that's awesome. Freebie. Yeah, it was a freebie. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, I felt quite bad actually because I suddenly realised I'm sort of being paid to, to commentate here and Jens, Jens is just doing it for free. But maybe the, just... maybe the white chocolate people are weighing him in so massively. I mean, he did, to be fair to him, he managed to get in a few references to his current employer. Um, That's very good. Pro to the end. Which, which since I think I'm the, my world feed commentary, I think, as far as I can glean so far, is only being listened to by a, one or two people in New Zealand in the middle of the night. Um, j- just if you heard, Jens, if you're listening to this, if there's a Venn diagram overlap between those listeners and Never Strays Fire listeners, and that might m- mean that there's actually only one person in the world that this might relate to, but if that one person is listening to this now and enjoyed Jens's contribution yesterday, do me a favour, go out to your shop when they open in New Zealand and buy uh, any kind of kinder, you know, product. And you'll find Watch inside a little plastic toy, won't you? Once you've peeled the foil away, eaten the chocolate and opened that slimy little plastic egg thing inside, you will mm. find a, a kinder surprise inside there. So it's a win, 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 win situation. Um, should we have our little advert? Should we play the advert? Let's have a little advert, yes. We interrupt this episode of Never Stray's uh, Ross. Which one is it? Can confirm it's Farad. We interrupt this episode of Never Stray's Farad for an advertorial screenplay. And I'm joined by Ross Bernard, who works with me at Chapter 3, and also with Harry at the Roadbook. Go ahead, Ross. 
You find our protagonists recording remotely. One sat... Ross, you don't need to read the stage directions. All right, yeah. <clears throat> As a listener to Never Strays Far, you can get 20% off on chapter3.com or theroadbook.co.uk by using the code NSF at checkout. That's N-S-F. Not only that, but we have a grand prize arranged for the end of the tour of Britain. It's worth well over £1,000 and we'll be releasing full details on how to enter very soon. But for now, we can reveal the first part of that prize. David, I have good news. With Lacquer, you won't have to fling your bike off the side of a road in frustration next time you have an accident or a mechanical. Let's not get into bike flinging. Lacquer are here to make sure you're covered every time you go for a ride. Their collective cover is made especially for cyclists for life on and off your bike. Our grand prize winner will receive £200 worth of their unbeatable coverage. With no more fixed up front premiums, your monthly contributions are based on the collective's claims that month. Your max monthly price is capped, but the savings are all yours. And when the proverbial does hit the fan, Lack has got your back. Claims are handled by experts and usually agreed within a day, which is something I can personally attest to. They've ditched annual contracts locking you in. With Lacquer, if you want to leave, you can anytime. So head to lacquer.co, that's L-A-K-A dot C-O, for more from them and make sure to tune into Never Strays Far over the next few days to find out how to enter our grand prize draw. Thank you, Ross. Now... Back to the show. Well, I think, David, both you and I might be in the position today of having to relay what Vuelta news there is uh, by dint of hastily having looked at cycling news. Right? Right. Um, so, uh, Florian Seneschal, the French bike rider yeah. from De Kearney Quickstep, won it in what was was a chaotic finish. Apparently, everyone's pinned down there because it's so hot, yeah, and everyone's quite tired, yeah, which tends to happen in a Grand Tour. A mm. uh, little breakaway went early on, um, and then there were some crosswinds, about sixty k's to go, that split up, but then it came back together, right. and then it got a bit sketchy in the end and broke up a few seconds or here, and Seneschal somehow pulled out the win. And that's better. Bernal was 10th, which goes to show how chaotic it was. But, and that was it. And the Peloton, there was in pieces behind, but not much. All the GC races were there. So it's not really much to report. So Jasper Philipson went home a few days ago, didn't he? Yeah. So Jakobsen's in the points jersey now. And, and, and totally securing that. And he was, he was clearly the favorite to win the stage yesterday, but did he, I think he got, he had a mechanical or he punctured or something like that? Yeah, something happened. I'm not sure what happened, but apparently it all fell to pieces and somehow Seneschal managed to save it for De Koenig. This is what I mean by the chaotic finish, something. And I didn't watch it yesterday, but I guess it's just all fell to pieces. And because there are not many big teams to control it, it's only De Koenig quick step. If it falls to pieces for them, then it just turns into a free for all. So it's pretty impressive of Seneschal to pull that off in that situation. And that's his biggest win. Isn't it? I don't know much about Seneschal, do you? Yeah, I, well, I mean, yeah, in the, in the, if you watch the way De Koenig Quickstep go about their classics campaign, um, Seneschal is a, is a kind of absolutely key component of their of their classics team, really. And he's one of those riders, I think, slightly in the mould of Davide Ballerini, who, you know, if you were building if you were building a, a World Tour team from scratch before you'd decided which superstar you were going to sign, you'd, you'd kind of go, I'll have a Seneschal and a Ballerini and, and I'll go mm. plonk and put him in because um, he's he's one of those riders who can f- flick between being just you know, an incredibly important kind of um, 
this sounds sort of disrespectful. It's not it's supposed to be the opposite of disrespectful. Filling rider who just fills the gaps in a team and kind of does the mm. does the unglamorous bits and pieces. Um, but he can, but the other thing he's got is at the flick of a switch when things go wrong he can turn into a winner, and he does and he does that quite often actually. I mean he's he's got a kind of I don't know if you've got the internet open on 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 I the do. relevant site, yeah. David. But he's he, you know he's won some. He's won consistently every year. He'll pop up with a couple of victories here and there. And often it's when the Koenig Quickstep, you know, he doesn't often go into bike races, I don't think, as the protected uh, winner for the day, mm. the leader on the day. Um, but when things go wrong, he's the kind of rider who can, who can adapt and uh, pull, pull out a result when everything's kind of hit the skids a little bit. Yeah, he hasn't got that many wins. Actually. Oh, is he not? Um, okay, maybe I've... no. But he's got second against Wevelgum, second in E three. All right, okay. Um, so, uh, but yeah, as you say, he's there. He's there, but that's definitely a big win for him. That was his yeah, okay. And... Well, I was surprised when you said the biggest win of his career, but I'm on with hindsight, you're absolutely right, isn't it? I mean, that's yes, definitely his first Grand Tour victory, isn't it? And uh, yeah, I don't know, actually. Actually, so... I don't know how many Grand Tours he's raced, Seneschal, because he is he's much more of a classics guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's um. Yeah, he's one of those. Do you know what I mean about those those yeah, yeah, yeah. those riders? Well, that's, a very, not, that's a kind of quick step trait as well. Though, I suppose they so. encourage that. You kind of most teams, if you're a leader or the designated um, rider for the day, crumbles. The whole team crumbles around them. Mm. Whereas the kind of quick step, they have that mentality when to uh, they just replace roles. You know, they encourage that. So there's no a lot of teams they don't encourage that, and it's also with the kind of quick step, they have riders that perhaps profit from that because they wouldn't be able to win on other teams. They kind of take it to their advantage. And I mean, we've spoken a lot about Takoni Quickstep in the past, but the fact that they have that culture, it's, it's very much a culture. It's, and it's the riders go and they adapt to it and it actually improves them. So it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's, um, good old Takoni Quickstep. Yeah. One point talking about kind of like signing riders and, you know, which, which rider, if you were building a sort of fantasy team or if you were in charge, you know, you, you might you might be tempted to go and get on the market because it is sort of that time of year, isn't it, where riders are mm. announcing where they where they're going next year and all that sort of thing. Contracts are being signed. One of the points that Jens actually raised in the commentary yesterday, um, which had kind of passed me by somewhat, and I don't know when it was announced, but um, Bora Hansgrohe obviously have got a, a bit of spare budget now that Peter Sagan is moving on. They have put most of their extra budgetary eggs for next year and beyond into Alexander Vlasov. So he's... You, he's, you're, he's, he's one of your favourites, isn't he? Yeah, although he hasn't kind of... He, what, he, he's yes, let you down, hasn't no, he? No, no, no. He's just not kind of made the progress that I thought he was going to when he burst onto the scene at, mm. um, early on in 2020. Um, he's kind of... Yeah, he's, he's, he's there or thereabouts, but he's not really looked like he's kind of ready to make that next step. But they've got a really good team, haven't they? Um but he's going there as their undisputed GC Grand Tour kind of. Yeah, that's a big. That's a big punt. Leader, it? it is quite a punt. I mean, he got fourth at the Giro this year, so yeah. not terrible. That's not, second in Paris Nice. That's not terrible. But um, but it was twenty five. He's a good time trialist as well, so he's a bit different from some of the other potential Grand mm. Tour. You know, he's he's not. I don't know. He's kind of seventy five, eighty percent of everything, without being. Kind yeah. of threatening to be ninety five percent. He's got the I mean? physical makeup one point eight six meters and sixty eight kilos. That's your perfect sort of Grand Ooh, Tour, yeah. Size, tall and skinny it means you can climb and climb and time trial, yeah. But yeah, well, let's see, let's see. Yeah. Um, Ned, I'm going to talk briefly about 
this test pilot program we're doing at Chapter 3. Go on then. We're trying to, you know, we're doing women's stuff now. Yeah. Women's apparel. Yeah. Well, we're trying to get, because everyone told us not to do women's apparel because it's such a smaller segment. Is it? Is um, that true? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. And we've been told kind of that it's just, it's a big, it's a big risk because obviously it's an investment to do all the design and development. And, and also when our audience was, has been males, 30 to 50 year old, British, mainly based in London in the creative industry, <laughs> you've got to convince um, women to come on board. And we're investing loads over the next year in products and we want to recruit women to be test pilots Ooh. and to i know and it's, so we've got this pretty cool program going at the beginning well it's just started sorry it's just at the beginning now we we're asking women to apply and they would get all the details i'll put all the details in the show notes and we're looking for a big group of women who can become involved with behind the scenes at chapter three and help us give us feedback on apparel the stuff we've got out be selected to test prototype stuff to show them what we've got in the pipeline for the next six months year meet our design team uh ella um who's our head of design and also just start to do rides and, and organize groups and share with their friends because so, we're, we're very much committed now to to making women a big segment in chapter three but it's going to take some time and we need support from women to to help us and, and prove the market wrong that we can increase. Because, I mean, this isn't a secret, but within most brands, women take up 10 to 20% of the overall. So it's, it's very much majority men, 80 to 90% of most brands. And which for that reason, that's why you'll see most brands will have a smaller offering for women than they do for men because you just simply can't justify it in business. But we've got total parity and even in our winter, all our autumn winter stuff that comes out well, in December, all the super tech stuff, we've actually done exactly the same for men and women as well. And it actually starts to, we have more stuff for women come spring, summer 22 than we do men. So we really need to convince women to, to believe in what we're doing and, and come on board and, and help us because we'd like the feedback because there's, there's a huge opportunity, I think, to, to make stuff better for women and, and get them more involved. So I'll put the details in the show notes and anybody listening, um, if you're a woman, please sign up and apply. And if you know women who cycle, then please put them in touch, send them the links. Uh, anecdotally, and just on the evidence of what I've seen over the last year, I think on the streets of London, which is the only city I can talk about with any authority, um, I think many more, many, many more women are cycling. Um, mm. And I think that uh, those one of the big differences as well between men and women and this is just just on the evidence of what i've seen david but, I, but i'm kind of quite alert to it because i i'm quite invested in it so i do i do ride around with my eyes open one of the things that i've noticed is that those that increase in that i'm seeing in the number of women cycling um is is different from the the, the increase in the number of men cycling because i think those women are younger mm. so i think i think young women uh, in particular, are probably one of those, if you kind of broke it all down with the increase in cycling, probably one of the highest growing kind of sectors. Yeah, it, it's fascinating as well, because we had a um, Canadian couple come to our studio in Jonah last week, and we take for granted cycling, and kind of because we're so in it, and we know so much about it. And there's this whole new wave that are buying Lycra for the first time. Yeah. And I was showing them base layers, and they're like, oh, what's that? They had no idea what a base layer was. Mm. And they've got amazing equipment and bikes, but they just... And so I think there's this whole as you said, new wave coming up that, and this is why the test pilot program is interesting because we can also educate as well as learn. And I think that's what's going to be really interesting about it because it's so easy when you're immersed as we are to realize that it is quite a complicated and, 
um, intimidating world cycling, especially road cycling. Mm. Um, so yeah, so we'll see. We're going to give it a good go. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, there's that whole kind of, you know, cycling Twitter is such an unforgiving place sometimes because there's that whole mm. sort of thing about uh, a very occasionally a, a, a picture will get posted of somebody who's been on a sportive or a ride and some poor person has come to that ride wearing their bib shorts inside out, which can, which can happen yeah, yeah. and kind of like that cycling happens. Twitter, you know, cracks itself in two laughing at them. Um, but actually, it, when you step right back and think, well, it's a perfectly forgivable mistake. Completely. You know, bib shorts are a ridiculously yeah. specific thing, serve a very important function. But if you haven't pulled a pair on before, they're kind of baffling. They're unlike anything yeah. else in your wardrobe. Or the bibs over the jersey. Or the bibs over the that's jersey. Yeah. That's a good one as well. Yeah. 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 yeah it happens. Yeah. All right. Well, that's so, yeah. that's good. Yeah, very good. That's good. Yeah. Um, and it's that's the weekend good. for you. It's not for me, really. Cool. Well, it is the weekend, but, you know, it's bike race. Yeah. It's bike racing. Yeah. So I'm going to chill out a bit. Good. And um, my, I'm going to take Archie for a bike ride is what I'm going to do. Excellent. Is it still stinking uh -huh. hot in Spain? It's been a relatively mild summer by our standards. Up in, up, up in where you are, in Girona. Up in where I am. Yeah. Yeah. But even here it gets stinking hot normally in August, July, August. Yeah, but this year it's you been, dodged it. It's been lovely. So where's the yeah, race? At the, right. Where's the Vuelta at the moment then, David? Whereabouts the, in the country? They're doing a new um, summit finish today. Um, I'll just tell you where it is. It's down in Don Benito de Pico Fulhuercas. Um, now, I don't know where that is, actually. Let's look on the, the overall map. Down to, oh, there. Here you go. I can find it. Um, it is, isn't west, near south, sort of Extremadura, I think. So down southwest. Uh, oh. So it's kind of just right of Portugal. Um, but haven't but they, if we're really deep inland. I can't really get my head around the Vuelta route this year. Haven't they already been to Andalusia? Yes, I think that. Yeah, it's you're right. It's a strange one this year. It seems to be all over um, the place. I can't. I can't figure out from one day to the next where they might be. But it is for the first time they're kind of actually <clears throat> using the whole of Spain because of late they kind of stick to the south or the northwest. Or last year's last edition year, was all along the north, wasn't it? It was kind of it was crazy. Yeah, yeah this year they've they've kind of done the whole whole thing. Well, the whole Midwest. Yeah, and north because I think the Vuelta is still really hot isn't it Anthony stinking Anthony McCrossan who's commentating doing doing the kind of world feed commentary said that he was asking me how Germany was going and I told him it was 12 degrees yesterday and he said it's 41 here where I am yeah. and then I read I read a quote from odd Christian Eiking who's still in the race lead isn't it saying um, yeah bear in mind you know how, how are you coping with the heat and he said well bear in mind I come from the basically the North Pole <laughs> <laughs> I saw that quote that was brilliant <laughs> that was a nice quote yeah um, uh, oh well maybe you maybe you can watch a bit of telly I'm going to watch it today good that'll make our podcast watch, superb I'm going to watch the mountain summit finish at the Vuelta All for right. fun uh, and watch some roglification roglification I can hear your dog barking in the background time to go and see the standard. dog David standard alright All right, have a nice day okay. speak to you tomorrow right, speak to you later see you bye Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.